are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Romans chapter number 8, please. The book of Romans chapter number 8. And I'm excited to be here. Uh, I feel like a guest. I'm excited to be here on Sunday morning. I guess I'm here every Sunday morning. But I'm excited about our time together these next few days and looking forward to it. I remember, um, I guess it was 15 years ago or so, when I went into evangelism full time and God had us there for about 13 and a half, 14 years or so. And uh, used to pray about getting to preach in a place like this. Literally, this church would pray about it. Boy, I'd be good. I remember talking about, I wish I could preach there someday. And uh, I remember sitting in a, a trailer in North Carolina watching the services here on, online and took a picture of Lincoln when he was just about a year old standing in front of the iPad there. And uh, the church was in the background. I remember, I don't know, Mr. I remember Ms. Treber's comment and said, what church is that on my Facebook post? I said, that's North Valley. But we would watch the services. It's amazing how God has worked and God has brought us here and uh, it's my honor to be with you. I always want, when I go somewhere to preach, I want God to move and I want God to bless everywhere I go. But I especially want it here because this is our home. And I want God to meet with us and I want God to stir our hearts. And I know this, God is interested in sending revival someplace to somebody. And we might as well be the place and this might as well be the people. And let's just let God do something in these days. Amen. Romans chapter number 8, and I'll, I'll challenge you this, don't just be a spectator, be a participator as well. Romans chapter number 8, let's read verse number 1 and verse number 2 together, and I'll give you the thought God has laid on my heart for this morning. Let's stand to our feet if you're in the tents and able to stand, it'll give you a chance to stretch, and uh, we normally try to get done by 1130, but today, Pastor asked if we just go at least till 2. All right, Ro I'm kidding, that's a joke. Romans chapter number 8, verse number 1. The Bible said, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. If you study the book of Romans in chapter really 6, 7, and 8 specifically, Paul is paralleling the flesh and the Spirit. He's talking about the tendencies of the old nature and then the attributes of the new nature and he compares and contrasts the spiritual man with the carnal man, the old man with the new man. In chapter number 7, he writes in verse number 23 the phrase, the law of sin. When we come down to chapter 2 of chapter number 8, he adds another phrase or another word to the end of the phrase and he doesn't just say the law of sin but in chapter number two it says the law of sin and death those two words are forever tied together they're linked together they're paired together there's a long black chain that binds those two words inseparably in the mind of God sin and death now normally I'd love to start out a meeting and preach on mercy and grace, or victory and joy. But I'm convinced, I've prayed this week, without a doubt, God wants us to think on these two words this morning, the word sin and the word death. For a little while this morning, I want to start off our time together and preach on this thought, sin and death. Let's pray. Lord, I pray for your power. God, I pray that you'd give us liberty. 
Lord, I understand that we're more familiar with each other than normally when you'd be a preacher someplace. I pray that wouldn't hinder the services. I pray we'd see you. It's not about a man. It's not about us. It's about you. And I pray that you'd meet with us. We sure need revival in these days. Not someplace else, not some other people, but we want and long for revival. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. There are two topics that most people don't want to talk about. In fact, if you want to abruptly end a conversation or throw a damper on dialogue, just bring up these two words. This isn't something that's just come about in modern times. It's been the case as long as there's been man upon the earth. We've never wanted to talk about or discuss the two words that I want us to consider today. As you study these two words, you find both of them in the very first book of the Bible. You find them making their mark upon the world almost as soon as Adam was formed out of the dust of the Garden of Eden. Either word would be sufficient to stand upon its own. But the Word of God has forever yoked together these two words. There are words I can preach to you this morning that I know would immediately make us say amen. I know they'd raise the level of excitement and enthusiasm in our service. But I'm convinced these two words will probably have a different effect, at least at first. These two words are sobering words. They're not shouting words. We like to hear sermons about faith. We'll tune in for sermons on grace. We can carry on a long conversation about the love of God, but these two words are different. I'm convinced that if we could, we'd bury these words deep down into our vocabulary. We'd strike them from our conversation. I think these two words will cause us to pause for a moment. Maybe they'll cause us to look inwardly. They'll make us consider our own frailty. These two words remind us of our weakness. They remind us of our wickedness. And they remind us of our neediness. These two words, I said, are forever tied together. They're bound by a long, black, unbreakable chain. When you think of these two words, the words I want to drive deep in our hearts today, they stand together side by side as cause and effect or as action and reaction. Today I want us to consider the subject or the two words for just a moment, sin and death. Just mentioning the two words, sin and death, changes the countenance of our heart. Death confronts us with our mortality, while death confronts us with our depravity. There's nothing that man fears any more than death, and there's nothing man ought to fear any more than sin. A preacher can preach any number of sermons that might fail to hit a segment of his audience, but there's no doubt about it that every person on this property and every person on this planet will be touched by these two words. These two words remove any veil of self-righteousness that we might try to drape around our lives. These words cut through any form or facade of perfection. These words serve like the ball inside of the bell that rings out the note as it crashes into our lives and reminds us we have a desperate need of God. The Bible says it's a point in a man wants to die, but after death comes the judgment. This isn't a message about fire falling on Mount Carmel, though I wish it were. This isn't a message about the dry bones being revived in Ezekiel's valley. I'm not going to speak about someone stepping on the sea or stilling the winds. This isn't a message that would make for a bestseller in the modern day Bible bookstores of our world. But regardless of that, I believe that God wants us to consider these two words for just a moment, sin and death. Where there is sin, there will be death. And where there is death, there has been sin. 
One undeniable fact about our world today is that our world is a world that is full of death. We've journeyed through a pandemic over the last year of our lives. And the pandemic has trained us to watch rising numbers. Those numbers are more than just digits upon paper. But every number that's presented to us represents another life. A person who's been introduced to death by this disease. The graveyards of our city remind us life has a delivery room. Thank God for that. But it also has a funeral parlor. Sirens sound out in the night. And they jar our mind to thinking of just how delicate life can be. Every time you open a book and you read its introduction, you'll find it also has a conclusion. And the book reminds us life has a beginning, but life also has an end. It was David who made the statement, there's but a step between me and death. I was studying for the message and I found there's over seven and a half billion people on our planet. All those men, women, boys and girls, every one of them a life to live along with the seven and a half billion people on our planet are all the different species of animals, the insects, the birds, the reptiles, and the fish. Every one of them a living organism. Along with that is all the different vegetation, flowers and trees and the grass. All of those living organisms. You take all of those living organisms and combine that number together and then you consider the fact that the grass will wither. One day it fades away and every life one day will cease. That's a whole lot of death taking place in our world. The World Death Calendar reports there are 56 million human deaths every year. There's over 4.5 million deaths every month. There's 153,424 human deaths every day. There's 106 human deaths every single minute. And two people go off into eternity by way of death every single second. That means every time you hear that infamous tick of the second hand on your clock, it's sounding the news that two people in our world have just been introduced to death. Death comes to rich folks and poor folks. Death comes to young and old. Death comes to religious and reprobate. Death comes to known and the unknown. There'll be millions of death certificates filled out just in 2021. And those different death certificates will have different causes of death written upon them. Some will say death from tragedy. Some will say cause of death maybe from war. Some may say cause of death violence. Some might say cause of death disease. Some may even say cause of death is unknown. But the Bible teaches us better than that. When death comes to an individual, the cause is never varying. The circumstances are never from a variety of occasions. It's never an unknown cause. In reality, every death certificate that has ever been filled out or ever shall be filled out can always say on the line of cause of death that death was caused by sin. You see, death is the fruit of one tree. Death is the byproduct of one product. Death comes spiritually and physically from one root and that root is always sin. The Bible says that the sting of death is sin and the wages of sin is death. Sin is the action but death is the reaction. Sin is the cause and death its effect. I said today our world is a world that is full of death 
but that's because our world is a world that is so full of sin. Every time you hear a siren, it reminds us of sin and death. Every time you pass a cemetery, it preaches about sin and death. Every time that second hand marches its pathway around the clock face, it's marching to the beat of sin and death. The Bible says for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God and the soul that sins, it shall surely die. I'd like to preach on grace for a minute and I'd love to preach a message on mercy, but I think this morning God wants our hearts to be tuned into these two words, sin and death. Romans chapter 8 is a victory chapter for the child of God. This chapter begins by saying for the Christian there's no condemnation in Christ. And it ends by saying there's no separation from Christ. That's a good place to put a free amen, by the way. I'm glad there's no condemnation, and I'm glad there'll never be any separation. As we move down into our chapter and find ourselves in the text verse, Paul reveals to the Romans and to us there are two laws at work in our world. One law is the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus but the other is called the law of sin and death let's read it again verse 2 for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death now imagine in the mind of God there's a legally binding authority that sin holds over the life of a lost man because man has failed to uphold the righteous demands of God's law sin works in the life of a lost individual lost man serves sin lost man is in bondage to sin lost man lusts after sin lost man has no fellowship with God because of his sin sin reigns in his mortal body and holds him under its control. Those who live by the flesh live like a slave under the law of sin. The Bible says they're sold under sin. You read chapter 6 and chapter 7 and Paul lays those truths out very clearly. The law of Christ, thank God, sets a man free. And I'm glad for that truth today. But I want us to understand that the law of sin wraps a man in chains and condemns him to death. In chapter number 7, Paul called it the law of sin. But in chapter 8, he adds another word to the title. And he says it's not just the law of sin, but it's the law of sin and death. What he does is he gives us both the crime and the punishment in one phrase. You can't separate the two words one from the other. Sin brings death and death springs out of sin. James 1.15 says, Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it's finished, bringeth forth death. Now I want to go on record and I want you to go ahead and pin it down that I hate the devil. I want to say it again. I hate the devil. I hate what the devil does to me. I hate what the devil does to you. I hate what the devil does to the church. I hate the devil. All of the horrible things and all of the heartache and hell that we see in our world today are all traced back to that deceitful accuser, that lying devil and what he did to Adam and Eve in the garden 
Garden of Eden. In the introduction, I gave statistics as to the number of deaths every day, but it'd be impossible for me to give you an accurate statistic of the number of statistics when it comes to the devil and sin every single day. Oh, I can't, I, I know there's a lot of preaching today on other topics. I understand that. And I know I can, I, I can preach Jesus wins and you'd shout until I couldn't even hear myself preach. But I think today God wants us to consider death and sin. You say, what is sin? I'll tell you what sin is. Sin is transgression. Sin is rebellion. Sin is antichrist. Sin is black. Sin is poison. Sin is subtle. And sin is powerful. You say, what is sin? Sin is a thief. Sin is a robber. Sin is a pirate. It takes all it can from whoever it can and leaves you with nothing. What is sin? Sin is a wrecker. It's a destroyer. It's a burdener. And it's a deceiver. Sin will offer you wine and give you vinegar. It'll clothe you, it says, in robes, but really tattered rags. It'll offer you freedom and give you bondage. It promises recreation and brings regrets. Sin is the author that penned the story of every heartache, every tragedy, every letdown, every broken life, every busted marriage that's ever been known to man. I tell you, Hollywood idolizes it. The world encourages it. Satan delights in it. But God still hates sin. Sin might look good to the eye. Sin might feel good to the flesh. Sin might sound good to your ears. But there's nothing good in sin. To sin is to do wrong. To sin is to do unrighteousness. To sin is to fall short and to miss the mark. Charles Spurgeon said, Sin has brought more plagues upon our world than all of earth's tyrants. God destroyed the world with a flood because of sin. God rained down fire on Sodom. Why? Because of sin. Sin might promise pleasure, but the season of sin always ends in the judgment of God. Sin will fascinate and then assassinate. Sin will entice and then incarcerate. Sin's chains are too light to be felt until they're too strong to be broken. Every bad thing, every hurtful thing, every gross thing, every wicked thing, all traces its way back to sin. It's sin that creates a rebel. It's sin that makes a harlot. It is sin that creates an addict. It is sin that births a thief. It is sin that makes a murderer. It is sin that causes a liar. It is sin that gives us a drunkard. Sin is fool's gold. Sin is a false promise. Sin is a serpent that lies in the grass waiting to put its venom in an unexpecting victim. Sin will deafen your ears to God's voice. Sin will rob you of God's power. Sin will remove God's hand. Sin will blind your vision to the goodness of God. Sin will block your prayers. Sin is what got Noah. Sin is what got Samson. Sin is what got David. Sin is what got Peter. Think of all the heartache. Think of all the problems. Think of all the pain. Why? Oh, because of sin. Let me say it one more time. I hate the devil. And by the way, I believe there's a devil. And I hate what he does. This morning, I want us to think quickly about these two words, death and sin. Now, we talked about death, and I just skimmed the surface of sin. But I want us to look from three different perspectives at this topic, sin and death. First, I want us to consider death by sin. Then I want you to think with me about death for sin. And lastly, I want you to consider death to sin. First, I want us to consider death by sin. Romans 5 and verse number 12, the Bible said, Wherefore is by one man sin entered the world. And here's the phrase, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. 
Can I say our world today looks far different than it did when God first breathed it into existence. Adam and Eve were formed and placed in a perfect place with perfect innocence, with perfect fellowship with God. The first world that man stepped into knew nothing about the effects of sin on every side, with every angle, from every vantage point. The first couple was placed in a perfect paradise. Imagine the scene in Edom. There's beauty unfiltered by sin. There's colors untinted by sin. There's a a peace enjoyed without any sin. I can't describe it adequately. I just know what I know. But I imagine the roses had a deep crimson in their petal. There's no thorn upon the stem. As man would walk, no dust would rise around his feet. He'd look to the heavens and no clouds were formed in the sky. There were never any aches in his back. No creaks in his knee. He never had a headache. There were no cancer clinics, no dialysis clinics. There was no need for any kind of vaccination everything was perfect all the animals lived in harmony man had dominion over the world everything was perfect but then the devil entered into the picture the bible tells us the devil walks about as a roaring lion the satan slithered onto the scene in the garden of Eden, and he came in and deceived adam and eve it's a story we know we've heard it a million times he deceived eve and then her husband adam and they transgressed they went against the forbidden uh, law of God. He said, don't touch that. Don't taste that. And they disobeyed God. The moment they overstepped the word of God, they fell into sin. The very moment that Adam took of that fruit, Adam began to die. You say, how did death enter into this world? It came through the avenue of sin. Now imagine, Adam immediately began to age. Immediately his eyes began to get dim. Immediately his ears didn't hear quite as well. Immediately his hair began to discolor. Immediately he felt pain for the first time. He felt guilt for the first time. He felt shame for the first time. The cells in his body began to age. His flesh began to wrinkle. The innocence of the garden gave way to consciousness of iniquity. They lost their peace and gained shame. They lost the beauty and it was now marred by sin. Now the world knows pain. Now the world knows uh, uh, let down. Now the world knows what it is to feel that a conviction. Now the world knows what it is to have heartache. Now the world knows what it is to have murder. Now the world knows what it is to have lying. Now the world knows what it is to have gossip. Every sin that could ever be committed entered into the world. Why? Because Adam transgressed and with that sin came death. Now the world would have to see graves dug. Now the soil of earth would be penetrated by the grave digger's shovel. Now bones would be placed in the sepulchers now mourning would echo through mountains and valleys the Bible gives us a phrase after the garden of Eden after the fall of man and that phrase is and he died never before would that phrase be uttered but now because of sin from that moment till today that phrase is part of our vocabulary why sin and he died coffins are built wills are written flags fly at half mass crepe hangs upon the door why because of sin and with sin comes death. I tell you, sin might be enchanting and sin might be enticing, but sin is a cruel taskmaster and the wages of sin is always death. Sin will have you like Samson, blinded, binded, and grinding in its own prison house. Oh, I think about all the lives today wrapped up in sin. You might be here today and you're not saved. I wish to God you'd feel the weight of those chains that are now upon you. I wish you could see that condemnation 
hovering above your head. I wish you could realize how close you are to the wrath of God. You're a criminal found guilty in the high court of heaven and now serving as a slave to sin and death. One of these days we'll all die. This body will wither up and be laid in the ground. One of these days I'll breathe my last breath. Why? Because like you, I'm a sinner and all who sin will die. That's why this world pursues alcohol. They're trying to uh, amend that terminal illness of sin. That's why this world uh, uh, pursues finances and riches. They're trying to cover up that terminal illness of sin. That's why man runs himself crazy trying to deny the fact there's a God in heaven. He's trying to put a balm over that wound that there is such a thing as sin. John 8 24 Jesus said ye shall die in your sin. And if you're here today this first point is for you if you're lost. If you're here today and never been born again. I'm talking about more than just lip service. More than just church attendance. More than just being on the property. If you don't know for sure you're ready to meet God. One of these days your sin will bring forth death and it's more than just a grave. It's an eternity of separation in a place called hell away from God. Oh what bad news it is. There is death by sin. How many marriages have died by sin? How many young people have died by sin? How many lives have been dead, wrecked by sin? Oh there's death by sin. But not only is there death by sin I'm glad there's death for sin. Romans 5, 6 says, When we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. No greater news has ever left the lips of man. No greater news has ever made itself the topic of a sermon. No greater news has ever found itself printed upon the written page than the fact that when we were yet without strength, Christ died for the ungodly. Romans 5.14 says, Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, and even uh, then, them over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression. Romans 5.20, where sin abounded. Thank God, grace did much more abound than as sin has reigned unto death. Even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord Hebrews 2 for as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood he also himself likewise took part of the same that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death that is the devil and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage Hebrews 2 9 but we see Jesus who is made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. I listened this morning as Brother Adam sang his special and I about had a fit. I had my Bible open to Isaiah 53 and at the top of Isaiah 53 I have one word written and then an arrow that goes down the chapter and that word I have written at the top is that name above every name. In my book I have the word Jesus with Isaiah 53. Here's what it says. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness and when we shall see him there's no beauty that we should desire him he's despised and rejected of men a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief and we hid as it were our faces from him he was despised and we esteemed him not surely hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows yet we did esteem him stricken smitten of God and afflicted but he was wounded for our transgression he was bruised 
for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. Oh, we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of his all. Who his own self bear our sins in his own body upon the tree. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. As in Adam all die. But as in Christ all be made alive. This is good news this morning. There's death by sin. Every human will go the way of the grave outside of the rapture. But thank God there's death for sin. I can't keep track of all those deaths by sin. The number grows by two every second. But I don't have to worry about all the deaths by sin. I just got to get focused on that one death for sin. I'm glad God treated Jesus like a sinner so Jesus could treat me like my Savior. Thank God we don't have to worry ourselves over death any longer because one died for all because all were dead bearing shame and scoffing rude in my place condemned thee stood sealed my pardon with his blood hallelujah what a savior there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunge beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains you got me into trouble but Jesus got me out praise God my sins are gone I might bear the scar of my sin but I don't bear the chains of my sin I might bear the scar of my sin but I don't bear the condemnation of my sin I might bear the scars of my sin but I don't have to bear the shame and wrath of my sin why because Jesus set me free it was for my sins he died it was for your sins he died there's no other way there's no other door there's no other option there's no other ticket Jesus came the son of God he hung and bled and died for our sin I think about that crown of thorns as that crown of thorns was placed upon his brow why for my sin as they scourged his back with that whip why it was for my sin he died why they pierce his side that was for my sin why they drive nails through hands and feet that was for my sin you say was I really that bad yes I was that bad and yes you were that bad and God was that good to send us his son to die in our place on the cross of Calvary the Bible said he's a man acquainted with grief he'd never been introduced to grief before all he knew was glory but he he willingly said goodbye to glory for a moment to say hello to grief to die for us on the cross of Calvary thank God there's a death for sin now sin has no sting now sin has no bite now sin has no hold now sin has no claim now sin has no power that murder was murdered by Jesus on the cross if you're living today in point number one I want to invite you over to point number two if you're here today in point number one take the journey to point number two if you're living discouraged in point number one come delight in point number two the water's good in point number two he died for your sin he died for my sin thank God there's death by but I'm glad there's death for Christ took my shame he took my guilt he took my pain and he nailed it to his cross the law arrested me for my sin but Jesus stepped in and paid my pardon thank God Calvary was the key that opened my cell it's the blade that broke my bonds it's the rope that pulled me from the pit it's the proclamation that emancipated my soul my sins are nailed to his cross my sins are drowned in his blood my sins are covered by his righteousness my sins are erased from his memory my sins are stricken from his record the death of Christ on the cross gave me some blood that went deeper than the stain of sin and washed me and made me white as snow There's a phrase throughout the Bible I said, and he died. 
and he died. Set of kings, and he died. Prophets, and he died. Priests, and he died. Shepherds, and he died. Soldiers, and he died. But there's one who said, I'm he which liveth and was dead. And behold, I'm alive forevermore and have the keys of death and hell. All around us we see death by sin. But thank God for us, one day on a hill called Calvary, there was death for sin. That law of sin and death. If you're today and you're lost, you're living under that legally binding authority of sin which brings death. But the good news is Jesus died for you on the cross to break that band asunder and set us free. But lastly, for the Christians here today, consider death to sin. 1 Peter 2, 24, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. Watch the phrase, that we being dead to sins should live under righteousness by whose stripes you are healed. This verse tells us exactly what Jesus did for us. But it also tells us exactly what Jesus enabled us to do for ourselves. Romans 8, 2 says, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, watch what it says, hath made me free from the law of sin and death. When Jesus died, he died for sin. When we receive Jesus, we're called to die to sin. When we got saved, the condemnation was taken away. We're indwelled by the Holy Spirit, made a new creature in Christ. We're set free from sin's condemnation. But listen to me. Though there's no more condemnation, there's always temptation. Paul understood it. He said every day he battled with his flesh. Paul's worst enemy was Paul. Every day Paul struggled within himself, the great hero of the faith, to say no to sin and yes to righteousness. Let me read you a few verses in Romans 7. For we know that the law is spiritual. Watch what he says. But I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it's good. Now then is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that's in my flesh, doeth no good thing. In another place he said, O wretched man that I am. I want you to understand that your soul is saved, but your flesh is rotten. My flesh is wicked and so is yours. The flesh is vile. The flesh is dark. The flesh is black. The flesh is corrupt. The flesh is anti-spirit, anti-God, and at enmity with the will of Christ for your life. And every single day as a child of God, I've got to make a conscious decision to yield to the Spirit or to yield to my flesh. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, 27, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection lest that by any means when I preach to others, I myself should become a castaway. Galatians 2, 20 said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. In Colossians 3, 5, he charged the Colossians, mortify, that means kill, crucify, mortify, therefore your members 
numbers which are upon the earth. He said, don't be content just to wear the shepherd's skin, but strive to get that wolfish spirit out of your life. Don't just parade around as one of God's children, but be a soldier of the cross and say no to sin and live on the righteousness. You read on in Romans chapter 6. He said in verse 11, Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. How can we that are saved live to sin? I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching to myself. You know, I know we, we know each other. I'm not perfect. You're not either. But can I say to love on sin is to love those thorns that pierced his brow. It's to love the nails that went through his hands. It's to love the soldiers that spit upon his face. It's to love the crowd that mocked his name. It's to love that which has caused so many pains and heartaches and problems in our world. It's a great day when you go to Calvary, but it's a great day when you're saved to put yourself on the cross of Calvary. I'm glad I went to Calvary and got saved, but every day I got to go back to Calvary and get crucified, sanctified, and set apart for the Master's use. Paul said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice. He said, die daily, every day. Reckon yourself dead. Wrap a bow around that dead body. Yield yourself to God and say, I'm a tool in your hand. My life is yours to control. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. All to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. Salvation ought to do more than just change my eternity. It ought to change my everyday life. It ought to do more than change my eternity. It ought to change my heart. It ought to change my mind. It ought to change my hands. It ought to change my mouth. It ought to change every aspect of me. Condemnation no longer dwells upon me, but sin does dwell within me. The new man desires to do right, but the old man every day wants to do wrong. I've got no more wrath hovering over, but I've got a constant wrestling match with my flesh every single day. I told the church last week in Loomis, if you want revival, it always starts with confession, conviction, cleansing. We could come in and preach a jubilee, pep rally kind of message this morning and leave and say, well, that's good. But it wouldn't get us any closer to revival. Billy Sunday said most Christians have a heart like Ezekiel's temple. The further in you go, the more abominations you find. This past week I was in a hotel room alone. Spent more time studying and in prayer than normal just because I didn't have the daily routine of things in the office. And I've heard pastors say it before, but it's so true. I've said it before. The closer you get to Jesus, the dirtier you feel. Even though really the cleaner you're becoming. Small sins are magnified in His presence. And if we really genuinely long for revival, you know what's going to happen? You need to die. I go to a place and say, boy, I wish that church would liven up. But God said, I wish that church would die. George Mueller was asked, what's the secret to your success? He said, one day George Mueller died. Lee Robertson wrote in front of his Bible a certain year. I think it was after his daughter Joy was killed in an accident. He wrote in front of his Bible the date and said, Lee Robertson is dead. I heard Bobby Robertson tell the story of driving down the road there on, uh, on uh, uh, the, the highway from Mount Pilot, from Walker Town up to Mount Pilot. We've driven that so many times. Some of you from out here don't know, but Mayberry is a real place. Amen, right there. Mount Airy, North Carolina. Pilot Mountain was Mount Pilot. But anyway, he, he was driving up that way. We used to go up that way all the time because to get back to West Virginia, you have to go up <coughs> 77 through, through uh, Brother Bertram's neck of the woods and go through the tunnels there in the mountains to go through. But he was riding up there with... Bobby Robertson and Brother Bobby said he said something to 
Brother Roloff, and he said, I just knew I shouldn't have said that. It was out of order. Probably hurt him. See, we rode there for a second in silence. Then I looked at Brother Roloff and said, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. He said, Lester Roloff looked back at me and said, Brother Bobby, you can't hurt a dead man. He'd already died to self. I was preaching with a preacher friend of mine. He's in heaven now. Brother Sammy Allen in Wetumpka, Alabama, 2013, I think it was. We spent a week together in a little school room there for our, our hotel room. He told me, he said, Brother Cooper, every once in a while, I take an ice cold shower. Ice cold. And he's peculiar, if you ever know. I said, why is that? He said, I just want to remind my flesh who the boss is. Can I say, if we grow in Christ and in grace and we get spiritual, we'll show the flesh who the boss is. Let me give you an illustration. I'll close in just a moment. A young lamb would follow its mother every day to the pasture to feed. And as they'd walk, that lamb would look over at a pigsty and see pigs wallowing in the mire. And that lamb would ask its mother, how come we don't wallow in the mud like the pigs do? And the mother would look at his lamb and just say, because sheep don't wallow. They'd pass it every day and the lamb would persistently say, why don't we wallow in the mire like the, like the pigs do? And the lamb would get the response, sheep don't wallow. Day after day, why don't we wallow in the mire like the pigs do? Said, because sheep don't wallow. One day the word of the mother wasn't enough to satisfy the curiosity of the lamb. And by the way, it's a bad day in our life when the word of God is not enough to satisfy our curiosity with sin. The lamb snuck away from its mother and inched its way toward the mire. And that lamb with its wool whiter than my shirt walked to that black mire of the pigsty and put its hoof down in and felt that cool mud on its hoof and thought, Mama didn't know what she's talking about. That feels good. Mama didn't know what she's talking about. Went deeper into the mud and thought, This is great. Mama didn't know what she's talking about. And that lamb began to wallow in that mire just like a pig. Can you see it in your mind? That white wool of that lamb, now filthy, black, and covered in the muck of a pigsty. That lamb had wallowed for some time and thought, I'll go back and tell mother. She didn't know what she was talking about. That lamb tried to rise up out of the mud and found that it was held fast. It couldn't get itself up out of the mire. It used to be enjoyable, but now it had it in bondage. It held it fast in the mire. Its white wool now stained black by the mire of that pigsty. And the lamb began to cry out, Help! Help! And the mother heard it, came racing in, and grabbed that lamb up out of the mire. That lamb began to walk in shame with its mother to the pasture. The mother walking with this lamb covered in that black slime, that filth of the pigsty. And that mother simply looked at the lamb and said, I told you, sheep don't wallow. That's probably still good preaching for 2021. As the world gets more worldly, the church isn't supposed to follow. And as society gets more sinful, the church isn't supposed to follow. Take time to be holy. There's death by sin. If you're here today and you're not truly saved, then you'll go to hell if you die lost. No doubt about it. There's no... Halfway, no intermediate place. There's no purgatory. There's heaven or hell. And if you die in your sins, you'll open your eyes in eternal fiery darkness. But thank God there was death for sin. Jesus died that you might live. Jesus satisfied the laws so that you might be set free. His life for yours on the cross of Calvary. But once you're saved, there ought to be death to sin. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. 
For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.